Welcome back to Glitchcast, episode number 57. This week, we're doing our uh, best and worst of 2018 in movies, so top 10 or favorite 10, and then the worst 10 that we saw, as well as, you know, I guess the ones that let us down the most. Not necessarily the worst worst. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Well. You see a lot more bad movies than I do, so uh, there might I be some them. on this list that you are like, that's not a bad movie, but I just <laughs> haven't seen a lot of trash this year. Mm-hmm. You put yourself through it, I don't. Yeah, we've also, like, a lot of the big releases that are really bad, we haven't really, like, subdued ourselves to that. We usually yeah. kind of hold out. We'll be like, oh, there's nothing good, we'll just wait, we'll skip yeah, this week. So exactly. We've kind of like Holmes and Watson, there. we were thinking yeah. about, and we're like, no. Yeah, we're not putting <laughs> So that would probably be number one on both our lists if we saw it, but it's non-existent. <laughs> I'm holding out until I see it. I'm not going to pass okay. any judgment without actually seeing it. Uh, but that, we'll also talk about the first two episodes of True Detective as season three premiered Sunday night. But first, movie news as always. A new photo from the Hobbs and Shaw Fast and Furious spinoff movie starring The Rock, Jason Statham, and Idris Elba has been released. Basically, it's just Jason Statham and The Rock standing there, like, cross-armed, and then Idris Elba standing behind them. It can't possibly be an actual image from the movie. No. I, just I, weird... I got this tweeted out and on our Instagram, if you want to check it out. It looks like they were just on set, like, doing some roids or something. They're like, hey, hey, guys, come here. Come here, quick group pick. Come here, quick. We just need a, we need a hype pick real quick. Just stand there and look tough. That's definitely not part of the movie. What is it about Idris Elba's get-up and, like, the two images that have been released that make it feel like he is from some sort of futuristic, like, RoboCop movie? Yeah, I don't know if... I think I said this last time, but he looks like he's in the G.I. Joe movie (laughs) with Dwayne The Rock Johnson, who I believe was in those terrible Mm -hmm. movies. But, yeah. Okay, well, (laughs) maybe we should get it on a list. Uh, It looks like they're badasses in black leather. I mean, it looks... Whatever. Yeah, yeah, I'm extremely pumped for this movie. Give Whoa, me Jason yeah, Statham sure. and stupid, stupid shit all the time. But yeah, this image is just you know okay. We all we right. need a we need a teaser. Do you think Do you think that they're gonna do what they do in every Fast and Furious movie and turn Idris Elba into a good guy by the end? I feel like they played that out enough. These are two. Well, actually, I guess Hobbs. No, Shaw is the bad guy that's turned yep. good already. Dwayne the Rock yeah. Johnson is the good guy that's turned questionable already. We gotta have one straight arrow here. A straight-up bad guy, Idris Elba. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, it's official. Eddie Murphy will star in Coming to America 2 in news that I think neither of us cares about. <laughs> no. The, 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 I saw this last night, and the title of this cracked me up. It was like, it's official, guys. <laughs> like, everybody's been waiting for this yeah. announcement. There's been these rumors for 10 years. People are hyped. It, and all of a sudden, this news finally drops. So let's discuss it. Is there uh, actually anyone that is actually excited about this or has been like waiting like uh, like eddie murphy has been in anything good in 20 years like yeah, i don't even know norbit was great though <laughs> um yeah i mean i've been people have been waiting kind of for his comeback like it's a bigger waiting period than like mike myers and a, a sequel to like a 30 year old film i did i don't think is is the way to go get, get, I, get a new like, ip going yeah, I think he's he's going to be in, like, a dramedy later this year that I think is... I believe it's called Dol- Dolomite is my name or some weird shit like that. Um, let's look at his filmography. When's the last good movie he was in? Because he's, he's made, like, 1,700 Beverly Hills Cop movies. All right. Mulan in 1998. Does that count? As what? A movie? Yes. Uh, I mean, that, Shrek, that, he was good I guess I guess the Shrek movies, but, like, 
actual movies that him himself appears in. I guess Dreamgirls was a good movie in 2006, but other than that, that it has like been... Shrek the Third, oh. really, is the last notable one. And then he played Donkey guess, in a couple I shorts. Tower Heist was actually decent. Um, was it? Mr. Like Church? Something, yeah, hmm. I don't even know what that is. He hasn't been in a really big budget release, though, in a long time. So... Um, yeah, I don't, Eddie Murphy, good luck with this. Um, I don't even, like, remember coming to America, to be honest, like, it's not, I don't think it's like that. I feel like it's like for, like, our dads would like that movie. It's official. Coming to America 2 is coming. (laughs) Alita Battle Angel has got some early buzz going on social media. People love Robert Rodriguez's weird-looking sci-fi epic. Okay. I'm shocked. Sorry. Okay, Alita Battle Angel PR team that put this story <laughs> out. Like this headline just reads like people reassuring you, "Hey guys, it's not bad. Give it a shot. I know it's a weird looking eyeball thing, but it's good. People love it. I promise." My favorite thing is that this always happens with movies that like has the first trailer release and then people are like, oh, what's, yeah. "What's going on with this? This looks weird." And then, um, and then you know, like they they come out and like there's a story like a month ago and it was like James Cameron told Robert Rodriguez how to fix the eyes on Alita yeah. and it's made a huge difference and it's like okay that was the biggest problem I guess, um, and then and then all of a sudden it's like early screening social media buzz going crazy be ready every freaking movie and then two weeks later the actual like embargo lifts and it's like seven percent on Rotten Tomatoes yeah that's Man versus or Man of Steel that's Batman versus that's uh, Justice League all of these movies really promising early uh, buzz well yeah you invited a bunch of critics got them drunk and got they saw the movie for free on the red carpet they're gonna say it was great yeah um cool I think that's February I'm pretty sure that got you can fix the eyes but you can't fix the rest of what this movie looks exactly. like exactly just again it's another movie that looks like it should have came out in 2003 yes Jordan Peele's Us uh, is going to open the South by Southwest Film Festival I believe on March 14th um, and its release date has been pushed back a week which I think is to give a little bit more space between it and Captain Marvel um, basically I think their hope is that Whatever, Captain Marvel premieres the first week or second week of March, and then this will come out two weeks later, and then it's like a month until Infinity War comes out. So I think they're just trying to capitalize on, you know, being in between the two superhero movies. Yeah, it makes sense. You want to give it some room to breathe. And, um, wow, I can't believe Marvel and Infinity War are coming out that like quick after one another. That's That's nuts. But, man, after the trailer, can't wait for this one. Yeah, opening it up South by Southwest, huge too. A Quiet Place did that last year, which we all know how that turned out. Generated all sorts of buzz, yeah. Yep, same with Hereditary as well. All the Hereditary opened up at Sundance first, but still. Uh, Good place to premiere a horror movie. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Also, speaking of Infinity War, uh, you know what's really sad is that um, we get Game of Thrones and Infinity War both wrapping up within like a month of each other. Uh, Oh my god. It's just too many parts of my life coming to an end. Kill me in May. Um, The Grinch, uh, the latest, I guess, the latest Grinch from Illumination, who made Minions, uh, has officially become the highest grossing Christmas movie of all time, passing Home Alone. I'm astounded by this. This, uh, first of all, this bewilders me. Uh, Are you talking about, like, it set a record by selling the fastest, or it already outgrossed Home Alone, which has been out for 20 plus years? already well the box office box office box office not so, like home sales or anything like that so you're saying bo- with what it's made you, so far you, it is yes. outgrossed 
all yep. of Home Alone sales ever. No, the the box office Got it. sales. Okay, I was gonna five hundred five hundred million four hundred ninety seven thousand seven hundred fifty three dollars worldwide for the Grinch. Home Alone four hundred seventy six million dollars worldwide at the time, right? So back in the day, this is what Home Alone made at the box office. Um. Okay. Well, my thing just crashed. I don't. <laughs> thank you, Slash Film. Um. Yes. Yes. <laughs> That's correct. <laughs> yes to I don't even remember what I asked you. But it confuses me because I have not heard of one person who saw this or was so interested sad. in it or I mean I, I It's don't not know. like it made it didn't get like rave reviews or anything. It was just like it, it was a movie that came out. Yeah, I, I feel like the one with Jim Carrey at least had buzz around it. It was Jim Carrey. This is Benedict Smisher Smash that was voicing him, so <laughs> I, I mean, I don't, I'm not friends with a lot of children, but maybe this is just God. got them hyped as hell. Apparently. I mean, wow, I'm, I'm blown away. <sighs> yeah, and I'm sad. Hats off to the Grinch. Rest in peace, Home Alone. Alex Kurtzman talks his paint has, we're not going to just read the entire article. Alex Kurtzman had an interview with this website. Uh, he talked about the painful mummy experience, confirmed that he's no longer in the dark universe, which is, you know, the mummy, uh, Dracula, Dr. Frankenstein, or Frankenstein, Dr. Jekyll, and Mr. Hyde, or whatever. Um, Frankenstein isn't a part of it, is he? Maybe. I believe he uh, is, yeah. Invisible Man. So. Um, so the mummy was one of our biggest letdown movies, I think, last year. Mm-hmm. I, did that come out in 2018? If it did, 2017. I'm... Okay. 2017. Say, i got to update my list. Yeah, um, I mean, yeah. And, and then, Alex Kurtzman directed it, and he's been behind a lot of bad stuff, like the Transformers movies and uh, some some painful work. Now, speaking of painful, uh, painful work with some of the Star Trek movies and like rewriting those and mm-hmm. then having to get like saved on that. I don't know how he keeps getting jobs or why he got this, but the fact that he's calling it a painful experience is such a weird PR spin for him where, where everyone knows that he's the one that fucked it up. Yeah, I mean, he tried to take the approach of building the super team like the Avengers and building the cinematic u- universe with big block, big sets and blockbuster-styled Hollywood summer movies when really all everybody wants is to pick a tone. And I think for all of us, we just want a creepy, scary monster universe. We don't want Tom Cruise in The Mummy. <laughs> yeah, and that was... Um... That was, like, clearly our biggest problem. I think our biggest problem was the tone was all over the place because it, it went from, like, action to comedy to horror. And even the horror stuff did work in the movie, but it's just, like, they just never committed to it. And mm-hmm. then it was just, like... And then they spent way too much time on stupid action set pieces with Russell Crowe doing Dr. Hel- stuff. Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde <laughs> spinoff for half for 30 minutes. Um, <laughs> yeah. They tried to get this off the ground with Dracula Untold. Actually, they tried to get it off the ground with Wolfman, with Benicio Del Toro. <laughs> That didn't work. Then they tried Throwback. Dracula Untold with Luke Evans. That didn't work. Then they tried The Mummy. That didn't work. Reboot it. Guillermo del Toro. Let's go. Yes. The Oscars are going to forge ahead hostless after the whole Kevin Hart debacle. Kevin Hart is just, man, he needs to figure out how to apologize about stuff because he has now figured out how to say sorry. He went on Ellen and did a whole interview and didn't apologize. Just said, like, I'm moving on from it. I'm not dealing with it anymore. It's like, dude, you never It's like a fight with your significant other where you've just dug yourself so deep and you haven't apologized. And, like, now it's a pride thing where you're not going to say you're sorry even though you know you're being a dick. You're like, like, I know that I'm a huge asshole right now. I should say sorry, but I've gone too far. 
Oh, yes. Um, so anyways, the Oscars have decided not to bring out a host, which I guess is a good idea. Although, what they're trying to do is almost like a combined host thing where they are trying to assemble as many of the Avengers actors as possible to appear, whether that's, you know, do like little bits in between awards or at the beginning. Um, and it's, it's strictly Avengers actors. It's not like other people. It's very interesting that they're doing that considering, you know, like the Marvel movies. Not that I think really any Marvel movie has like deserved to be like win a big award or anything like that. But like, it's a pretty notable snub. Like it's one of the, it's the biggest franchise, you know, in Hollywood in the past 10 years and it, it gets no recognition from this group of people. Now they're like, hey, can you uh, come help us out? You want to well, come help us out? They're trying to get that sort of crowd to watch the Oscars. You know, I think it's been declining ratings. And, oh, yeah. hey, everything else is going you know, hostless as well. You got self-driving cars, self-checkout. Why not uh, just see what happens with the uh, Oscars? Not Nobody just, you know, driving that ship. <laughs> Just, just what a perfect, what a perfect parallel. Let, a, right. let an award show run itself. See what happens. This You're right. Gonna when I go around. grocery shopping, I'm not expecting someone to to make jokes to me as I. I don't need walk a monologue along. as they tally up my bill. <laughs> exactly. Uh, good call. Um, <laughs> the six, a sixth final destination movie is in the works with the Saw writers. How do you feel about this news? When was the last Final Destination movie? I feel like they already tried rebooting it back in 2011. I guess that wasn't technically a reboot, but, like... I remember weird. seeing the last one, because they did take a big break between the last one and the ones before it, like, five, yeah. I guess. Was six the latest one? No, this will be the sixth one. Okay, so five, they took a, a big break. Yeah, I remember being a teen and liking these movies, and it's forever given me a complex when driving behind a truck that's hauling a bunch of logs. Oh <laughs> I'm just, God. I'm just, every time I'm like, this is Final Destination, we gotta change lanes. Mm-hmm. Uh, the writers, the Saw writers aren't like the original writers, like James Wan. Uh, they are the dudes that, uh, wrote the fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh Saw movies. My God, how are there so many Saw movies? Uh, but they're also attached to write, uh, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, The Reckoning at Paramount, I don't know what that is. And an untitled Christmas horror project at Sony. Hmm. Krampus. So no, they I mean- must be okay. I, guess. I, I liked them when I was a teen, but these movies are bad, and this will probably be. And I mean, if they call it Final it's, Destination Six, it has no shot. They're going to call it Final Destination, like Finality the, or the something. Final Destination. Yeah, the just throw, Final just Destination. Just throw the uh, at the beginning or a Final Destination. Ooh, that's actually a smart move. Call it a Final Destination because yeah. then you leave room to make another one. Yeah, or just Final. Unrelated. Yeah, <laughs> good call. Uh, that's it for movie news. TV news. Brooklyn Nine Nine returned last week after its cancellation, and then. Uh, getting picked up by NBC. Its ratings increased 50% from previous season finales uh, and hit a two-year high. Wow. Well, let me just say, well-deserved, hilarious episode, doing some different things on Fox, I'm sorry, on NBC that they weren't able to do on Fox. We're bleeping swear words. We're getting pixelated nudity, I think. Was there any of that? Give me Melissa. Not in this episode. No, um, it was very funny and uh, good for them. I'm sorry, did you say give me Scully and Hitchcock in bikinis? Correct. That's what I definitely yes. said. Yes. Wife. Um, who's listening? I don't I don't know why is it like that? Why are they able to do that? It's the same it's a net it's another network. Like it's I think it's just network policy. Um, okay. Fox didn't want bleep swear words and NBC okay. does, which is surprising. Yeah, yeah. That is think about weird. Fox. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What is what? Are, what is like cable TV gonna like get in the twenty first century? And, like, I don't know. Move past the stupid evangelical like. You go over to Europe and there's you. there's boobies, there's bare breasts, yeah. there's <laughs> swear words. Like people are adults over there here. Yeah. They gotta shelter us. 
Your people are like going to the beach and they're just hanging dong and they go home at like seven years old and drink like a bottle of wine a night. Yeah. Let them do it here. Maybe not a bottle of wine a night. Maybe not as much hanging dong either. Yeah. <laughs> you wish. Um, <laughs> the uh, cast for the Game of Thrones prequel has been announced. Um, uh, it's a whole bunch of no-name people that have been in like a couple things that we know of, but like I don't recognize There's one notable them. girl, the, the little girl from Chronicles of Narnia, right? <coughs> um yeah this the tiny little right. yeah yes and, her name is georgie in real life uh, i was reading comments online and of course you never read the comments one of the top <laughs> comments was like oh man i remember her as the little girl from chronicle of narnia i'm not excited to see her boobs because like it's game of thrones like everyone's gonna be naked and yeah. people are like oh this is gonna severely destroy my view of her in chronicles of narnia uh yes for all the people that go back and watch chronicles of narnia today yes it's gonna ruin it <laughs> Um, but also, in more important news, there was like a little minute and a half teaser that was released uh, that was strictly Game of Thrones. Clearly, it's not stuff that's going to be shown in the season. It was just like a, a promo Hype thing video. that I think was meant to yeah. like reflect the themes of the season in a way. Um, but it got me hyped. I'm, I'm pumped. I don't want to see any footage from the season until the season airs. It's funny. I, I could deal with that, but at the same time, when I was watching it, I was like, Come on, give me some footage. Give me some footage. Give me some footage. There was that like two and a half second clip during the mm-hmm. HBO hype video of Danny coming into Winterfell and who said uh, Winterfell Sansa. is yours? Sansa said Winterfell is yours. But yeah, I I might skip the trailer if it if it comes. This was pretty hype though. Yeah, yeah, it was a uh, it was interesting. I like how the the this so the, it showed whatever the statues of like each of them. And did you, did you see like the screenshot of the Jon Snow one? Well, they all look terrible. But the Jon Snow one is brutally bad. Is it's it? like it's like that. Have you ever seen the Cristiano Ronaldo like sculpture that like some <laughs> no. random foreign country made? No. It's like hilarious. It's like a caricature that someone would make of him. <laughs> that's like what this Jon Snow statue looked like. Anyway, uh, is there anybody else notable that's been cast in this? No, uh, I mean Game of Na- Naomi people? Watts. Well, yeah. I mean, out of, we out of this new that. batch. No, not really. Okay, I, I remember looking through and I couldn't recognize anybody. Yeah, no, like there's like a there's like someone that was in Black Mirror, but I have no idea who they were. Somebody in Humans, I think, mm-hmm. for anybody who watches that weird AMC show. <laughs> uh, Sony is considering a Spider-Man into Spider-Verse TV spinoff. Actually, plural TV spinoffs. Hmm. Mm. Give me one spinoff, but we don't need the Star Wars treatment. We don't need to be oversaturated with this awesome thing that we liked this year and i assume the animation's really hard to do would it look way shittier on tv i yeah i can see the appeal obviously but yeah you've got six different spider-mans now like give them some Mm spinoffs yeah but i i certainly think it would work better if they just did a a movie another movie yeah which because of what you said yeah about the animation and stuff and although sony was clearly pretty hands-off with this first one i wonder if for the sequel, they'll be like, oh, yeah, let me get my paws on it so we can Just continue it. making money, and then they ruin it because they don't know how to do anything competently. Yeah. God, Sony. We'll I'm, I'm excited to see how many movies on my worst movie discussion are just Sony-helmed. <laughs> uh, rumor, colon, Tom Hiddleston is going to narrate the Disney Plus Loki series, and a younger actor is going to be cast as Loki. So this is just a rumor that a website picked up on from a source. Um this, I think, would be a terrible mistake and would make no one want to watch the Loki series. Also, I'm pretty sure, like, the Asgardians, like, it's canon that they, like, don't age that much. So he could 
conceivably just play a younger version of himself. I don't... Yeah. Uh, the thing is, I think it makes sense from a cost standpoint. I didn't think they'd be able to get Loki, the guy, Tom Hiddleston, to just shoot series of a show. Like, he's doing other things, right? To get yes. him to just do voiceovers to whatever studio they book anywhere in the world and to get some young up-and-coming up actor to do a teen version of Loki, it makes sense to me. I don't want it, but it makes sense. Yeah, I... I just don't. I don't know. Do you I want like a Tom Hiddleston like Loki show? No, anyway. I don't. I don't yeah. want this series. Actually, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I do like Loki a lot. I like him as Loki. I like, I like his banter with other Ragnarok. characters, but yeah. I, I don't know if I care about him just like smoldering yeah. through the. You know, I guess, being I guess a, I don't really know what the show would be about. Just to be honest, him being the outcast brother, maybe. Uh, maybe. Uh, if it was like a slapstick comedy, I could I could enjoy it. If it's just Thor, Thor Ragnarok, up. yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> more, more, uh, more like hilarious stories about the snake. <laughs> you yes. knew I didn't like snakes, and then he turned me into a snake, or whatever that story <laughs> was in that movie, in Ragnarok. Yes, um, that's it for news this week. Uh, we got um, a couple trailers for you. First up is Velvet Buzzsaw, which is my favorite title of all time. This is from Dan Gilroy, who made Nightcrawler. Um, Great flick. And and Roman J Israel. Any thoughts on that? I haven't seen no, it. No, we did not see that. Denzel. Denzel. Uh, <laughs> this stars Jake... J- Actually, this stars a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, Jake Gyllenhaal, Tony Collette, um, Rene Russo, <sighs> Natalia Dyer, John Malkovich. Ooh, let's see five more. Billy Magnuson, David Diggs, Tom Sturridge. I don't know who that last dude is. Uh, but that's a pretty stacked cast. And uh, it's... Um, after paintings by an unknown artist are discovered, a supernatural force enacts revenge on those who have allowed their greed to get in the way of art. Um, Jake Gyllenhaal looks hilarious. I like the vibe of this trailer. I like. I know people people were kind of like excited because it kind of sounded like it was gonna be like a straight up horror movie, obviously because of the supernatural thing. But it feels like it's gonna be much like weirder, kind of like black comedy in a way. Yeah, Velvet Buzzsaw, new band name. I call it. Um, it definitely. <laughs> started out and i was like oh jake gyllenhaal in some boring ass artsy movie that he's going for the oscar wait a minute the paintings are coming to life wait a minute ones of a monkey and now there's monkey hands pulling jake gyllenhaal through the painting wait a minute this tone is all over the place i can't (laughs) tell if i like it but i think it looks pretty fun yeah it does look fun uh did you ever watch okja yeah on Mm -hmm. netflix it i I like this jake gyllenhaal just turning into weird cartoony character kind Mm -hmm, of things mm -hmm. i'm a big fan Okja is another movie where the tone was all over the place and I couldn't tell what it was supposed to be, but mm. I did. I think I enjoyed it. Um, this looks this looks crazy, and um, yeah, but I could not figure out if like should they just go this crazy, creepy horror route? It definitely looks like there's some fun to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I'm very excited, and that is actually uh, February first, I think. And it's is, is it Netflix? Yes, say? Netflix. Nice, nice, yep. Nice. Very popular. That's two weeks. Sweet. I know. Uh, next up is Hotel Mumbai. 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 Um, this stars Dev Patel and Jason Isaacs and whole uh, Army Hammer, mm-hmm. a bunch of other people. Uh, this is about the attacks on a hotel uh, in Mumbai. Obviously, um, I, don't, I don't. It's a true story. I don't remember these attacks. I don't know when it happened. Um, it looks like pretty standard kind of milking a sad terrorist story was it directed by the guy who directs mark Wahlberg and all those disaster movies um 
back off my dude Peter Berg. Peter Berg, okay. that's him, yeah. No, no, th- because because Mark Wahlberg would be in this as the American savior. Um, no, it's not directed by him. So two things. Every time I see Mr. Arm and Hammer, all I do is <laughs> think about the scene from Call Me By Your Name. If you've seen it, you know what I'm talking about. And second of all, I saw the thumbnail from this movie. <laughs> <laughs> now you're thinking about it. Oh, I saw God. that thumbnail. I forgot about it. The thumbnail from this movie, I was like, oh, Dev Patel going after an Oscar. Oh, this is an action-packed sad movie. <laughs> God damn it. Why did you have to remind me? Uh, uh, call me by your name. Just you know the scene. slurping sound. But it, it, looks, oh. it looks good. It looks like it could pull on some heartstrings. Yeah. I think it looks bad. 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 Really? Yeah. You just want call me by your name, too. <laughs> That's right. You know they're actually making one. Is the subtitle Peaches? <laughs> uh, gross. Uh, next up, the last trailer is for Weird City, which is from Jordan Peele uh, and another producing partner. This is a comedy anthology series. It's basically like a mix between like it's like it's like slapstick Black Mirror in a way. Yeah. Very futuristic. I thought it looked bad. Yeah, me too. And. I was wondering if you're going to come up here and be a Jordan Peele apologist and just say <laughs> that I didn't get the trailer and that just give it a shot, but it looked bad. No, did not like the tone at all. I certainly feel I'm Jordan Peele apologist side of this here. I feel like he's more producer in name mm-hmm. than like actual work. Done. Kind of like J.J. Abrams like, and everything. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, Michael yeah, Sarah, no, a bunch it, of other it, crazy yeah, actors got- that you haven't seen in a while. Some good actors in there, too. No, I know. I was, I was, I was pretty astounded, but it, like all the jokes just fell so flat. Yep. I, it was very disappointing. Oh, it's a YouTube premium show. Mm-hmm, no mm-hmm. wonder. Yep, YouTube Red or Premium, or whatever they're calling it. Like there are shows on Facebook now. Like is Twitter making TV shows? Like what is going on with this world? I saw a trailer for a show that looked pretty good on National Geographic. Whoa! Yeah, like a fictional show, not yeah. like a documentary. <laughs> it was actually about the browser wars. Um, you know, back when Netscape Navigator was going against mm-hmm. IE, some good names in it. I was like, oh, this looks good. What? Ch- uh, Nat Geo? I'm sorry. I need to learn more about this show. Yeah, I like, Nat I'm Geo considering show. watching it. Oh, Nat Geo show about internet. <laughs> Valley of the Boom? Yeah, that's it. That's a great name. Yeah. Two hour special, that's it? Oh, like a quick miniseries movie mm, thing. Yes, 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 yes. But yes, it looked yes. good, and I'm like, oh, cool. What channel? Oh, Nat Geo. The same channel that has, like, Cat Rescue. Bradley Whitford, Steve Zahn? Damn. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Also from a good director, too. Wow. All right. Nat Geo, stepping it up. Shows are just being shopped around, and random channels are like, let's get in on that peak TV age. <laughs> Even though, like, we're way past. Like, peak TV died, like, three years ago. Or I should say the golden age. Well, you got, we're still in peak TV because we get, like, Lifetime, five getting shows. Dirty John. You got the R. Kelly series Nobody, everybody won't shut up about. Oh, yes, it's like, listen, yes. people. Everybody's known he's been bad for... 15 years now you want to get him you can't play ignition remix without booze through the crowd i mean right i believe rightly so yes yes someone should just cover it and then yeah like, then we could forget about r kelly yeah exactly who'd you uh we're not a music podcast we're getting way off tangent this that's episode. it that's that's it for trailers let's talk about true detective season two yeah, and we're going to go... Season three. Sorry, not season two. No, season two was tra- terrible. <laughs> talking about Chad Velcoro and Colin Farrell's mustache. Um, season, thank you what for the hell? Who would ever want to kill Stan? <laughs> Who's Stan? Vince Vaughn? Some of the worst lines. Just the, the cheesiest. Worst. 
Oh, man. All right, we're going to talk True Detective Season 3, and we're going to go spoilers, but there's only been two episodes, and there really hasn't been any spoilers. So if you don't want to listen, go ahead and skip ahead to our top 10 favorite and worst movies of 2018. Yes. Uh, so this season uh, is back from Nick Pizzolatto slash Pizza Man yet again. He was is the showrunner for the first two seasons. Um, Jeremy Saulnier or Saulnier, uh, who directed Green Room and Hold the Dark and Blue Ruin, uh, directed the first two episodes, and then he had creative differences with the Pizza Man, of course, as I believe everyone, everyone. has, yeah. <laughs> which I highly recommend. <laughs> checking out the profile on him in the, the Hollywood Reporter because the pictures are hilarious. So self-serious. Um, this stars Mahershala Ali and Stephen Dorff, who, I don't know why. He's been pretty good in it. Uh, Carmen and Jogo, um, Chris Cooper in one of his last roles, R.I.P. This is basically set in Arkansas in the Ozarks, actually, and uh, – Dorf and Ali are two detectives basically working this case where they two kids go missing. Um, and uh, spoiler, they eventually find one, I believe, at the end of the first episode. Yep. And the, the son is dead, but the girl is still out there. Don't know what happened to her. Uh, it jumps back and forth between three different timelines. 1980, when the crime first happened. 1990, when the case is reopened. And 2015, when basically there, it's like a true crime documentary, kind of serial-like thing, interviewing Ali as an older character. Um, what, did, what, did you, what did you think about the uh, first two episodes? Uh, another story beat, I'm not sure if you mentioned it, they do... Th- believe that the girl is alive oh, in yes, a future yes. timeline what 10 years later yes yeah. yeah 10 years later so all sorts of theories running through my head um the the tone is a lot better than season two i can actually tell you what this is about in season <laughs> two by the finale i'm like what was this show about a sex cult i think who cares have your sex cult have fun um i guess they were kidnapping women and teen god let's not get on god it was bad (laughs) anyway they gave pizza man time and and you can really tell that the story can breathe a little bit it's slow but tense and i I really like it so far yeah i am i am hooked i've like i the moment that even episode one ended even though like i knew i had another episode i was like sad because i was like damn i'm gonna have to wait another week and I like want to binge it all right now. I know, I know. And I haven't, I, I haven't had that feeling since season one in True Detective. I, I had that feeling during Sharp Objects. I was so invested in who done it in Sharp Objects. It's kind of that same feeling of like, oh, I just want to know who did it. Um, and that's kind of where I'm at now. They're introducing people that could be, you know, the killer or have a part in it. And it's fun, kind of learning more about everybody. It's it, it, and I 100% agree with the tone comment. Um, it, it's is you have this eerie, very creepy tone, like. You know, scary movies don't really get to me as much anymore, no matter, like, really the the content, which is mostly paranormal kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But, like, this kind of stuff gets to me. Like, I get creeped. Like, I went and, like, locked, like, double-checked my back door was locked, yep. even though, like, this isn't a home invasion show or anything. But I was just, like, creeped out. And they really sort of just make you feel that sense of kind of, like, dread and creepiness that was going on in the 80s, because that's when, like, the satanic panic and all that nonsense was happening. And, like... God, even like there's there's some like kind of like they have like weird Lovecraftian kind of stuff that they reference to, which they did in season one as well. Yep. I've seen people talk in theories about how like, oh, maybe it's going to shift into cosmic kind of horror and stuff like that. And I really hope they don't do that. I really hope it stays grounded in this. I'm fine with like, you know, throwing off to that or referencing it, but don't like come. People to that. really with- wanted that to happen in season one. And in a way it kind of did because, mm-hmm. you know, the, the end villain kind of thought himself to be that, but it really wasn't. There were some drugs involved. 
Um, I don't think this will either. I think it's just yeah. it's just the tone, the panic, the, the the scaredness of the town right now. The tone was so good that within the first twenty minutes, the kids start riding their bikes, and like you just know, you just oh, yeah. you're just scared for them, and it just makes it immediately make me think made me think if I have kids, I'm not going to let them ride bikes because of this show. <laughs> yeah, um, it's a uh, reminiscent of like a lot of stuff. Like the West Memphis Three is a pretty uh, infamous case uh, about uh, a couple like young kids like this getting killed and then three teens sort of being charged because they liked like Black Sabbath and Led Zeppelin mm-hmm. and Metallica and stuff like that. Um, Anyways, you want to you want to talk about some of the some of the theories that we can we can attack or some I don't have that I might mean potentially I have I'm staying away from like Reddit and discussions. I'm trying to not yes. get it spoiled like Westworld and you know True Detective mm-hmm. season one even I was reading constantly. So I I just kind of have like a who done it theory, mm-hmm. not really anything super complex. But what do you got? Why don't you start? Yeah, so there, there's a few there's a few routes that the, you can obviously go. I think like they try to make you think for a second that it might be one of the parents um, because like the the, the mom is off like partying and shit like that. Maybe she Um, needed money. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't think it's either of the parents. I certainly don't think it's Scoot McNary who plays the dad. Yeah. Awesome mustache, by the way. Um, Definitely not the dad. He's shown way too much emotion. The mom maybe sells him off and do a sex cult or something for money. Um, the, the creepy uncle or cousin or whatever the hell. Um, That's where you kind of have to lean at this point. He's got a hole peeping on the girl in the next room mm-hmm. when he stayed there for a while. I certainly I, – I don't I don't think it's that cut and dry. Definitely because, not. Because, like, it'd be, it'd be way too easy. Um, but obviously, like, there's a lot going on considering, like, they convict the wrong person in the 1980 timeline. They reopen it. And, then, like, this 2015 timeline, Ali is, like, still haunted by it. So, clearly, something else still goes wrong. Uh, you have the Native American trash man. There's no way that he did it. No. That they're just using that to play up the racism mm-hmm. that was going on in the South at the time. Um, and sort of parallel the Vietnam aspects, PTSD aspects yep. for both of the characters. Um, you have the three teenagers, I, who I, I certainly thought did something despicable but i don't again i think it's just a representation of satanic panic and i don't think they did anything was one of the teens right although we do playing with the bike around that yes. watchtower maybe yes, they found it on the side the of the road mm-hmm. um i don't think it's I them think, i think that the kids were running away to something or they were going to the that the tower for like all the weird shit yeah i don't think that they like got abducted on the way um just because like they they the the kid that they said they were going to see said, yeah, they didn't say they were coming over. Yeah. So I think um, they were, they were going to hang at that party zone or whatever, and might've got picked up on the way and sold into some really weird sex cult because you get a letter at the end of episode or middle of episode two that says something like, don't worry about them. They're safe and happy. Forget them or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I don't know. Maybe I, that's a red herring. You know, maybe that's a, somebody I, falsifying that. I think so. Yeah. I think I think I think that letter is uh is BS. It's just probably just like some crazy person, you know, yeah. throwing something out there. Uh, I just I'm just assuming that we have not met the person who did it. Yeah, it'd be too early to meet them. Yeah. Um. So they'll they'll come pretty soon though. I think. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's pretty much all I got to talk about right now. What do you think, I the, think dolls, we'll probably, the dolls are? I, you know, I don't know. I feel because the the, the daughter did have like a drawing of a wedding. Or some maybe a wedding or like some or like mm. a weird family or something that was sort of reminiscent of that. Okay. So like she could have just made them and they didn't realize it. But I also think it's probably like a like something from like a cult mm-hmm. that like cult people make or yeah. something. Um, I was expecting like some more like you know like pentagram shit in this episode or something like that. I think but we'll get there. I'll I'll stick with the dolls. 
do you think it's going to be just like something about sex and like a pedophile ring or anything like that or more of a religious cult where they take them not for sex you know i too early i don't know too early yeah. too early to tell um and just a subject that is just unnerving you know yeah it's just like but i can't wait to see more god damn it yeah i know um also, uh, there was a girl that was abducted in Wisconsin mm. like three months ago. Lock your just doors. Got found. She she escaped and like. Just oh yeah, got I heard about found. that. Yeah, so I've been like reading all that stuff, and that shit is just like, oh my god, like this kind of stuff actually happens in real life. Like, ugh. Two more things that I want to talk about before I forget. I didn't write anything down. Just wanted to chat about it. Do you like the time jumps um, with old Mahershala, middle Mahershala, young? I think they're doing a good job with that. Oh, I think I think it's outstanding. Um, I also like how it kind of reflects because the, another theme is going to be sort of his character's dementia or Alzheimer's or whatever is going on there and sort of memory loss. Um, and I like how they kind of play it up where they like show him say something and then they jump back and then. Yeah, but what I don't like is anytime there's unreliable narrators or you see something that really is just a fake memory that didn't really happen. I. I haven't seen too much of that yet, and I hope they're not showing us stuff that actually is broken in his mind. Because that's just I, kind of gaming us, you know? I, I agree with that. I don't... I can understand it, yeah. Because then, basically, they have they have an out at any time to be like, ha, gotcha, it wasn't gotcha. actually like this. It was this his mind. It was. Yeah, instead of just showing it. Um, I do think that they're showing how he thinks some of these things, and then it's not actually real, because like they show him looking into the... The, the like the puddle or the the puddle of water yeah. when he's in 1980 and it's supposed to be a reflection of the moon and then it shatters and it's the light yeah. but it was just actually the light from in or whatever in 2015 blowing up i've read that actually there was no moon that night in real life oh everyone said it everyone said it was like a harvest moon or whatever but it was actually a new moon there was no moon that yeah mahershal said multiple times i remember it was a full moon that night yeah yeah so uh so I kind of like that, uh, but that's just like another couple things that I picked up from hmm. like Reddit, which I'm gonna stay off of. Yeah, after, don't like, be coming at me episode. with all that, with all that Reddit nonsense. I don't want to know. And be careful. You that's d- just that's just the moon thing. Do you remember? That's just the. Do you remember Westworld knowing every single turn before it happened? It was yes. great because I was like, hell yeah, I know it. But then I saw it on screen <laughs> and I'm like, damn it, I knew that. No, I remember. Trust me, I remember True Detective season one. I ruined True Detective. I did season as well. One yeah, for myself. So. Um, all right, so that is it for True Detective Season 3 talk for the first few episodes. We'll probably check in about it every week. We probably are going to have to. We're going to have yeah. segments the next, what, eight weeks now? Eight, eight seven weeks. Yeah. Six weeks, actually. There's only oh, it's eight only eight? Damn it. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right, so that's it for True Detective Season 3. Let's talk our top ten movies of 2018. We'll start at number ten each and then go down. And, like, if we have any crossovers, we can, uh, you know. Just discuss about them, yeah. our thoughts on it. Um, all right, so this is this isn't necessarily like you know best movies, this is favorite movies, which in a way is our best movies personally. But like, we're not coming at you with like, oh yeah, Roma on Netflix by Alfonso Cuarón is amazing, clearly a filmmaking masterpiece. Yeah, that that Glenn Close movie that everybody's <laughs> raving about, definitely my top of the year. Listen, we're gonna get the to way. all those during Oscar season. We'll watch them. We'll rank them. We're talking about favorite movies. This is more of kind of a pop culture content uh, podcast yep. versus breaking down film. So that is right. Um, I do want to say before we start, I feel like this year, and I, I, I've we've sort of written about this in our our best of year and most anticipated stuff. Um. I feel like this year was kind of like a letdown. It was like a lot of there was a, there wasn't a lot of movies that blew me away that I was like, oh, that's definitely gonna be my favorite of the year mm-hmm. or gonna be in my top ten. There's a lot of movies that I was like, damn, I like that a lot. 
but it wasn't like wow i love that i can't wait to rewatch or stuff like that there that's true but i i also feel like there were a couple movies that i was like damn i didn't expect that that would be any good and it was in my top 10 i should say i should say the uh, the drop off from like like what you just said damn that's good mm-hmm. to all right i liked it is like way steeper than it was last year or the year before where it was like, damn, that was really good. Yeah. And then it's like, damn, that was pretty good. And it was like, okay, all right, all right, all right, all right. And I can also say like probably our top two or three, there's a big drop off from four or five, yes. six, and then a big drop off from eight, nine, ten, and what have you. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, do you want to you wanna start with your number 10? Yeah, I really wrestled with number 10. Um, we're going to have to do some honorable <laughs> mentions here. Um, but after going back and forth, this kind of goes into the category of, damn, I didn't expect that to be good. I'm going to start with Game Night. Game Night, did it make your list at all? It did, it did. Did it? Okay. Um, yep. Do you want to tell me where it's at? Yeah, it's at number six, actually. Wow, okay. Yeah, um, I think both of you, uh, when I saw the trailer, I was like, this, uh, what if, uh, it doesn't look good. But then it's, it actually has a ton of heart and was re- very rewatchable. Everybody has game nights our age, and my God, it was a blast. It was so funny. Yeah, I think the reason that I put it at number six is because it is so rewatchable. I don't think I've rewatched a movie more this year, and I think I've literally seen this movie like six or seven times now I think because it's just you've, so easy to watch. And, and it's really well-directed. They do some things mm-hmm. with um, some wide-angle shots and some shots that make it look like it's a board game, but it's actually their neighborhood, and it's it way better than it had any right to be, and I hate that term, but it, it's true. Yeah, no, and it, it, it sort of, like, single-handedly gave me faith in big studio comedies because we haven't had, like, a good one in forever, and then we had a couple good ones this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, honorable mention, Blockers. I thought Blockers was hilarious. I was going to throw that as an honorable mention as well just because I thought the trailer looked bad, but it was good. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's sort of, kind of a consistent thing with these movies is, like, the trailers are kind of like, uh, well, but then you, you get surprised by that. It's also really hard to make a comedy trailer. You don't want to give away the best jokes, so you All put jokes, in, a, yeah. you know, the 10th best joke, and then you're like, if that's what this movie is going to be. I don't care. But Game Night, highly recommended, way better than the trailer, and an actual good movie. 100%. Uh, my number 10 was First Reformed. I believe I talked about this maybe last podcast or two podcasts ago. Uh, this is a Paul Schrader movie who wrote Taxi Driver and Bull Durham, um, starring Ethan Hawke uh, as a pastor who is like grappling with uh, just like losing faith and like dealing with like the environmental disasters in the world uh, because a parishioner comes to him and basically is like, I don't want to bring my baby into this world because it's going to shit and like I'd rather get it aborted. And it's about him dealing with all that stuff. And then the dude kills himself. Ooh. And then he like kind of thinks about taking up the cause and like all this stuff. Um, it is obviously very dark based on what I just said, yeah. but it's it's just a tour de force which is a favorite critic saying uh, by Ethan Hawke here. A lot of people are saying it's like his best work ever. I would, I mean, it's certainly really good. He definitely deserves to be in the Oscar conversation. Um, but it's it's extremely tightly directed. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of sort of standing still shots, a lot of great imagery um, and sort of reflection between like what's happening in the church and what's happening in the world and then sort of an indictment on corporations and like faux social commentary and stuff like that um it has a weird ending so if you do ever watch it oh, I, I, would love to. To hear yeah. your, I would love to hear your thoughts on it um but it, it's really good and it has you know uh ethan hawk drinks uh pepto-bismol and whiskey at one point Ooh. and you know it sounds it sounds like a great mixie so you know am i weird i like pepto-bismol it tastes pretty good it tastes great yeah it's like i'm there's a lot of people kind of want like a, a alcoholic drink based off that now that you've said that yeah, yeah. Well, dude, go ahead and try it. It looks disgusting in the movie, it but cannot be good for your good. body. So I'm gonna skip <laughs> no, that. 
Just give me like an infused vodka, <laughs> Pepto infused vodka, <laughs> Pepto infused whiskey. Um, all right, so on to number nine for me. Yes, sir. This was tough too. Uh, I put Deadpool two because I did have a lot of fun with it. It it helped it. You know, sequels are tough. Usually sequels suck. And this was still as funny. I think back to when everybody jumps out of the plane, and I won't spoil it if you haven't heard it or seen the movie, but just how I was nearly crying during that movie. And, um, it, yeah, it was still just a really funny movie. It didn't drop too bad. And just for that, it gets number nine. Did Another movie it, – it's not on my list, but it, that's another movie that has a shocking amount of heart. Yeah, exactly. Like, I, almost sure. got, I almost, like, teared up at, like, one point. Yeah, one point I'm, you know, I'm fighting away tears, <laughs> making sure nobody saw it. But yeah, another movie that, you know, it was goofy, stupid, meta, breaking the fourth wall, but still had heart and was good. Well-directed, well-acted, great action, hilarious. Uh, 100% agree. Um, My number nine is Thoroughbreds. This is sort of an indie black comedy movie that came out in like March. I don't really know when it came out. Uh, Starring Anya Taylor-Joy, who was in Split, and uh, Olivia Cook, who was in like Ready Player One. Yep. Oh my god, Ready Player One. Hilarious. Um, (laughs) Forgot about that movie. Uh, um, Believe me, I didn't. (laughs) um, As sort of like these two very rich girls that uh, end up like working together to try and uh, rob slash... Murder, maybe murder their stepdad right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um but it's it's uh it's got a great score um and it's just it's just so darkly funny and so weird and like these two girls like are clearly like i don't know socially weird and like putting on fronts constantly and the one is like a definitely a sociopath and she plays it so well um yeah I, very dark ending and the the their conversations with the stepdad are some of the funniest lines of the year of just how much they hate him and how much he's <laughs> just like mm, whatever i'm an adult i'm i've got my stuff together and you're just a bratty girl and just their hatred just shows on screen so well and yeah i i really like this movie too yeah and watching the manipulation is just fucking fascinating another uh, strange ending yeah, so that's my uh, that's my number nine. What's your number eight? Number eight, I'm going to give to A Star is Born. Uh, definitely, you know, probably going to make some Oscar waves. Did this make your list at all? Oh, my God, I'm realizing that I only have nine. Fuck. <laughs> uh, you, do you have any honorable mentions? Uh, I just gave honorable mention. Oh, man, I got to look at my list. Sorry. What was you could talk about your number eight? <laughs> a Star Is Born, Bradley Cooper, Lady Gaga. We did a whole episode on this. Um, I went in just you know not expecting too much, and I probably should have. This has got Oscar bait all over it, but I was blown away how well directed it was. I was blown away how it really made you feel like you were on stage in front of a bunch of people. It really conveyed how nerve wracking it is to get in front of a bunch of people, and was a pretty good story too. Fighting back tears towards the end. Um, this will this will make some Oscar waves. Definitely. Uh, that is actually my number two. Number two. Wow. Number two. Okay. It is a movie that the more I have thought about it, the more I like it and love it. Wow. And I, uh, I'm excited to finally watch it again. Uh, once that, once that silky screener comes through, but, uh, <laughs> but, but yeah, no, I, I, I agree. It's in, it's great work by Bradley Cooper being a first time director. And I thought and a first time singer. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah, it's just again just fighting back tears, really emotional. Um, some stuff like I didn't like really fully buy, but I th- think just all around it was just entertaining, beautifully shot. Uh, the first like 
half of the movie is like definitely the best half of a movie of the year. Absolutely. Um, I think hands down. Just so hype. Like I felt like my heart was beating. Like I was about to go on stage and then you get out there and you just got to kind of be in the moment. It really conveyed that well. And we talked about this on the podcast. I think I can't compare Bradley Cooper's voice and musical style and that genre to anything right now. And like, I kind of want him to <laughs> release an album. Yeah, I know. Um, it's like, a I don't even like people were trying to call it like, like, well, this like kind of music is even like around. No one would even go to this concert. I was like, bullshit. I would go to this concert. Cause this concert sounds amazing. And I don't even like, like con- country. It's like not even country. It's like rock. It's kind of just like, like pop, Americana rock, country. pop yeah. rock. Yeah. But without the stupid twangs like Luke Bryan and all that trash. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. Um, all right, so we're going to jump. So technically, Thoroughbreds is my number eight. We'll jump back to my number ten, uh, If Beale Street Could Talk, which oh. I talked about last mm-hmm. on last episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, greatest score of the year. Um, very beautiful film. Shot um, just immaculately. Amazing use of color. Um, just a straight literally. Like, it feels like a book. Yeah, it's just awesome. Um Unfortunately, it didn't pack as like much of an emotional punch as I was hoping mm-hmm. or expecting, especially after Moonlight. Uh, so, kind of lands at number ten for me. Okay, was that a last minute ad? Uh, yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, so we're so gonna number seven. go with my number seven, which we talked about being pleasantly surprised. I went into searching with such low expectations. Oh, yes. uh, did this make your list? No, it did not. Honorable mention, maybe. No, not in my own Okay, okay. I was invested the whole time. Every time the movie took a turn, I was like, hell yeah, let's find this girl. Um, It kept you guessing the whole time. And just the way that they made the movie, quote unquote, from the creator-director, pause-proof, was really incredible. You can pause this movie and look at any background text or story or news flash, and there are stories within the stories. There's a... It's it's pause-proof. You can pause it and just... Everything makes sense. And there's nothing that they just put filler text out there. And I went in not expecting much, and I got a really heartwarming story directed by the guy who did a lot of the Google commercials that make you cry. So uh, I'll just say bring some Kleenex for the first 20 minutes of the movie. Thoughts on yeah, searching? No. Uh, yeah, no, I loved it. I, I like the whole weird, random like backstories that they're doing and all the windows. But uh, I, I was, I'm a big, big fan of Unfriended, which ushered in this whole movie playing out on screen thing and i this movie definitely did it even better um it's just very innovative and you're never taken out of it because you're constantly watching it's so thrilling to watch everything happen and john show a great centerpiece um emotionally and so uh yeah definitely good movie all right what's up next for you uh, number seven for me is avengers infinity war that far down huh it is yeah that's my is. number three let's chat about it Oh, all right. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, the culmination or the penultimate uh, episode of the Marvel Universe, honestly, it's just so impressive how they were able to devote, like, an equal amount of time to every single character, of which there's, like, what, 30? Yeah. Like, 25? I don't even know. Um, and make it feel still cohesive and not, like, lagging in certain parts. Like, you really felt it with everyone. And, obviously, I think they did hold back a little bit on – the, the biggest main players, the original Avengers or whatever, but we're going to be getting them in the next film, obviously. But, like, it has the the best moment of the year, which is when Thor and mm. Rocket and Groot arrive Bring on Earth. Me Thanos! Yes. Oh, he comes the in best with the lightning. The Good God. Goosebumps, Goosebumps every time. So hype. Uh, great battles. Great villain. One of the best villains we've certainly seen in superhero movies. One of the best villains of the year. Um, 
Just outstanding work. Subverted all of our expectations, and they kind of cheated at it because they do these things in trailers where they put in fake footage. Um, but listen, they're doing they're doing God's work by not giving away the story in the trailer. You know, we went we were trying to figure out who's going to die. We picked maybe two or three or four people. And skip ahead thirty seconds if you haven't seen Infinity War. In fact, delete this podcast if you haven't seen Infinity War. <laughs> um, but when it gets to the end and everybody starts fading away, you're just you were just shocked. The whole theater was quiet, and then they fade to black in the credits, and everybody just kind of walked out of there like, what the hell just happened? Did they just all die? Unbelievable. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite aspects is um, Mark Wal Not Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> Mark, Nobody cares about Mark Ru- the Beast? Mark, <laughs> Mark Ruffalo's, Mark Ruffalo's CGI'd head Tony, in the Hulkbuster scene. Thanos is coming, Tony. <laughs> he's, he's coming, Tony. We have to fight. He's Gonna destroy the galaxy. Oh man! Tony. All right, what's your uh, what's your number six? Number six. I know this is on your list somewhere, but Hereditary. Yes, that's my number five. Wow, we're pretty close on that. Let me just say, Ugh. um, very unnerving movie. They didn't do a lot of jump scares. They did a lot of background things where you're just looking and you're like, is that really going on back there? And it was a really good family drama with very very spooky stuff in it too. Yeah, um, this is another movie that the more I think about it, the more I love it. It's a movie that when I got out of the theater, I was like, I'm never going to watch that again because I don't want to go through that. Just like dread filled several hours. But like, I've actually been dying to watch it again. I'm just trying to work up the nerve to like survive the week after it without having to like look into the corner of every part of my room. Um, It's yeah. I mean, it's another movie that again, subverts expectations like the, the way that the camera work. Uh, sort of plays with what we know about horror movies and sort of fakes us out um, without being cheap. Um, the last 30 minutes are just nightmare fuel. Uh, it's got, like, several of the most haunting things I've ever seen in my life happen. Just things that, like, should not happen are happening. Um, and, yeah, the family drama. It's, like, it's wholly about grief and sort of, like, mental illness and those kind of things always get to me, and the way that they handled it was exquisite. And if horror movies were better represented at the Oscars, we'd see Toni Collette um, getting oh something because she was unreal in this movie. Um, just a great performance. Mm-hmm. Um, my number six was Game Nights. Uh, what's your What's your number five? Number five. I think this will be on your list. Mission Impossible Fallout. It is. That's my number four. <laughs> okay, let's go. Uh, start us off on that chat. Mission Impossible Fallout. So as we've seen with the past few Mission Impossibles, basically, like, whatever, started out, first Mission Impossible, great, classic. Mission Impossible 2, not that great. 3, J.J. Abrams came in and gave it a little more fuel. Good. Yeah. 4, reinvented it into, like, this crazy action-pushing, like, stunt-pushing kind of thing because Tom Cruise is out of his mind. And then 5 did the same same kind of thing. But this one, I think, tops, like, almost all of them. Yeah. Um, a compelling villain that we get still from the last one, as well as some newcomers, Henry Cavill with that mustache, oh, amazing. So um, but like so many great action set pieces. The entire second act is like a motorcycle chase. Yeah, and and the the, the big first action set piece. I think they did over a hundred takes, and you appreciate how unbelievable that is because it is a freaking nighttime plane drop in a storm, mm-hmm. and they actually did that over a hundred times. And just the yeah. the way that Cruz just throws his body around, breaks his ankle, <laughs> continues shooting. That cut makes the movie. Just continues to impress me at his old age, even though he's a wacky Scientologist. <laughs> um, the the bathroom fight scene is 
probably, so I mean, brutal. probably my favorite fight scene of the year. So brutal. I, I mean, it's got to be. It's just, just yeah. It, Christopher McQuarrie, who directed this movie, just needs to direct every action movie from here give on him, out. And give Tom him Cruise. Bond. Tom Cruise, you're never going to die unless you die from a stunt. And so, like, I, I'm not excited to see it happen, but I'm very interested in what you do to Tom We Cruise. talked about this on the podcast for Mission Impossible Fallout, but he is going to die in a stunt. And he's yeah. going to go out doing what he loves, so good for him. I think it's the only way he can get out of Scientology as well is to correct make it look like an accident because I yeah. because I don't think they'll let him die. Yeah. <laughs> um, my number five was Hereditary. What was your number four? My number four. We're gonna go with A Quiet Place. Oh, okay. Did that make wow. your list? No, it did not. Oh, come on. Think back to seeing that movie and how just blown away it's you were. Honor, honorable mention. Honorable okay, mention. okay. I saw it in New Zealand, and um, I don't know why that's relevant. It just brings me back to my <laughs> New Zealand trip. But it was really admirable how the movie was so well done with sound that people in the theater were afraid to eat popcorn. Like, people were afraid to drop their keys on the ground. One woman's phone went off, and people shrieked. It was hilarious. Um, but really well done, with very little dialogue, great use of sound, and an alien-looking thing that was pretty unique, and a story that was very, very good. Family drama horror movie. Yeah, I think my only complaint about the movie is sort of the ending is so abrupt mm. that it felt like they just ran out of money. And that's it. Um, my number four is Mission Impossible Fallout. Right. What's your number three? <laughs> um, Avengers Infinity War, which we already discussed. Fantastic. Yep. Definitely should be on every top ten list. All right. My number three is Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Okay. Where does that land for you? Number one. Oh, all right. I wrote about um, it last week. Uh, my yep. favorite movie of the year. Blew me away. Yeah. Um, and I mean, we already talked about it in this podcast a little bit uh, about the TV spinoffs. Um, but yeah, I mean, great voice work, uh, a great origin story. Thankfully, not for Peter Parker this time. Uh, you're able to kind of like relate with this character who's sort of just randomly fell into this, obviously, but isn't yeah. like fully all about it. Um, amazing soundtrack, amazing visuals, like truly just eye-popping visuals that I, might not make me enjoy the next spider-man movie like i can't go back to seeing spider-man on an actual screen when mm-hmm. the visuals and the color and the action was just so insane mm-hmm. humor that wasn't like too kitty like mm-hmm. or kind of like that uh you certainly weren't handheld through the movie just a great pace great villain An important movie uh, culturally you get villain. crazy yes. good representation unbelievable voice acting which you said but just blew me away. Uh, animation style that I did not think I liked, but turned into its strength. Um, yeah, like you said, great soundtrack, great score. Just an unbelievable movie, and I can't wait to see it again. Yeah. Um, what is your number two? My number two is your number one, Annihilation. Yep. Yes, sir. <laughs> I'll let you lead off. This is yours. Yep. Uh, this is the movie that I talked about in the Best Movies article that we posted last week. Um this this movie blew me away. It's sticking with me. Has the most terrifying moment that I've ever experienced in a theater that I don't think a lot of other people would think it's as terrifying, but it just shook me to my core. It's got crazy visuals for being a movie that isn't like a hundred million dollars cost. Um, kept me guessing from start to finish, like what what the hell was going on or like where this was going. Uh, I love the themes of sort of just like trying to figure out who you are and what your relationships mean with people that you know, as well as like the, the environment around you. Um, Natalie Portman was outstanding. Oscar Isaac was great as sort of a weird, no one really knows what's going on with him kind of thing. All the supporting cast I liked for the most part. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, it's got it. Honestly, just the visuals just blew me away. There's a lot of terrifying moments. Like, Annihilation. The, the moment that scared the shit out of me. Yeah, it had the scariest moment in film last year. Man Bear Pig. Man Bear Pig. Yeah. Man Bear Pig was terrifying. The screams. The screams yes. from Man Bear Pig, I think, is what made yes. it terrifying. Absolutely terrifying. Um, Beautiful film. Um, yeah, like you said, kept you guessing. It was very, you know, I wouldn't say it was slowly paced, but it was it was reserved. You're not going to get this massive action set piece that you'd expect. It was more of a thinker. Yes, and I, I really appreciate that. Alex Garland is the director and writer who made uh, Ex Machina as well um, from a couple years back, which was actually also my favorite movie of 2015. Um, so he really excels in sort of making these pseudo-intellectual kind of sci-fi movies, which I, I appreciate where it's not like, straightforward you know like stupid explosions or like there's an alien here's what the stupid us is going to do against an alien it makes you think um and the fact that you know it did kind of keep you guessing the entire time was a nice reflection of what was going on with the characters in the film so it was nice to sort of sit with that the most terrifying moment for me was when the it's not a, this weird orb Entity, metaphysical yeah. thing is just like forming and no one like you I had no idea what to expect, and that's why it was so scary to me. And that's just sort of, again, reflective of what the entire movie was. So uh, that's why I loved it, and hands down, my favorite movie. Yeah, that scene that you're talking about, it, it was so unnerving, just the way that it interacted with her. And you're trying to figure out, is it good? Is it bad? Does it even know what it is? What is its mm-hmm. purpose? Is it trying just to live, mimic, uh, conquer, <laughs> like bow yeah. down to? Like, you just don't know. And it's the coolest way of showing what a real alien first interaction could look like. Mm-hmm. Um, so you want to go through 10 to 1 real quick? Yeah, 10 to 1. Um, my number 10 to 1 is If Beale Street Could Talk, First Reformed, Thoroughbreds, Infinity War, Game Night, Hereditary, Mission Impossible Fallout, Spider-Verse, A Star is Born, and Annihilation at number 1. And my 10 to 1 is Game Night, <coughs> Deadpool 2, A Star is Born, Searching, Hereditary, Mission Impossible Fallout, A Quiet Place, Top three, Avengers Infinity War, Annihilation, and Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. So we were pretty close. Yeah, I we had, we had some good crossovers, a lot of crossovers I was expecting. Um, that, that like three through six range, that was just like exactly the money. same. Yeah. Um, all right, so that's it for our top ten. You want to talk our worst ten? Let's poo-poo on some movies, Austin. All right, let's 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 take a big old dump on these. So this is worst as well as the most disappointing yeah. in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> what is your uh, number time? Let me preface this by saying, again, <laughs> if I know a movie's trash, I pretty much avoid it like the plague. I really didn't watch too many bad movies unless we decided we would watch it for the podcast. So you might mm-hmm. not agree. And so, you know, I didn't, I didn't see anything like the Emoji movie or anything like that, you know? <laughs> um, so my number 10, and you can come at me, but it was Fantastic Beasts and the longest title, Grindelwald. You can um, agree that this movie was disappointing. And to me, I walked out of it just mad. Is it is it anywhere near your top 20? Is it on your list? Um, It's certainly an honorable mention. Right? Um, but yeah, no, it, it was a very disappointing movie for me. So I, I wholeheartedly agree with that. Especially after Fantastic Beasts, which I think is like one of the best Harry Potter movies. Yeah, they played down the beast. There was really <laughs> weird plot devices, character motivation switches, just all over the place. Um. Goes it goes into just, random directions for half hour tangents and just was really disappointing. It's just a cog in a machine mm-hmm. that's you know trying to build and make you wait for everything else for like what like, the five more movies that are coming. Yeah, exactly. It was just like it was just a waste of time, which is the biggest sin a movie can correct. Commit. My number ten worst <laughs> movie of the year. My number ten in my worst is Pacific Rim Uprising. You saw that? 
I did. This movie commits the cardinal sin of being uninteresting, unentertaining, and emotionally ineffective, which makes it undeserving of a watch. As a matter of fact, I could barely watch it. I stopped paying attention about halfway through because it, it, it did not commit anything to me, deserve any of my attention. Did you like the first one? <coughs> um, yeah. I, I like the first one. Yeah. That was entertaining. You, you lose Del Toro. You lose... <coughs> all the other actors and you get a John Boyega and it sounds like he didn't even deliver, right? No, he did not. This movie was pure garbage. All right. My number nine. And uh, I told you I wouldn't forget, but my number nine was ready player one. (laughs) It, it, all it had going for it was the pop culture references. Some of the CG was good, but so much of it was cringe. I think by the end of us breaking it down, we figured out that the lead character was really bad person and just so much of it was so, so bad. Um, the, the weird anime CG characters, the cringe love story, just the cringe villain, just bad. <clears throat> this girl having extremely low self-esteem because she has a scar. And a like... tiny scar. <laughs> She's still just hot. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, the movie was ridiculous. It didn't make my list or honorable mentions. I thought it was entertaining enough, but yeah, a lot of it was stupid as hell. What do you got? Uh The Nun is my number nine. This movie, as a big fan of the Conjuring universe, uh this movie was a letdown, but it was also super stupidly bad. Um just terrible jump scares constantly. Um you know, it gets it gets bumped down from being like, you know, the middle of the pack because Tessa Farmiga, love you, babe. And there was some creepy stuff, but it was just, like, so stupid at times and pointless. And it had, like, just stupid... Like, the worst thing that a scary movie can do is have all your characters make stupid decisions constantly and not catch on to anything. And that's basically what everyone in this movie does. This is how many more bad movies you've seen than me, because The Nun is number four for me. Um, I Mm. walked out of there just upset that I just wasted, you know, money slash movie passes money and, you know, two hours of time... On just a well-directed, I think, but just terrible <clears throat> script, terrible story, terrible scares, jump scares left and right. It was just a waste of time. Cardinal Sin. <laughs> what's, your, uh, what's your number eight? Number eight was a movie that I think you're regretting giving it such a high grade. Predator. <clears throat> uh, yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> you're not going to live that one down. Um, I don't know how I gave it a B-. I think I gave absurd. it a D plus. The story was ridiculous. Re- ridiculously bad the script was awful the line delivery bad some of the cg terrible where the predator went and things that it did so bad twists and turns miserable ending horrible direction bad predator is a bad bad movie the kid cringe oh jacob tremblay die bitch and let me just say skip 30 seconds if you don't want to hear the spoiler of predator on what the predators (laughs) wanted for coming to earth kids with autism Yep, that's exactly what they wanted. What in the world? Get out of here. Number eight, worst movie. What do you got? Screenwriting masterclass. Number eight for me is Hotel Artemis. Oh, uh, this is too. another movie that should have been good. It had. It was basically like a John Wick knockoff with a bunch of great character actors, but it was just, again, uninteresting and unentertaining and emotionally unaffecting. It was just so stupid, and it was a great idea because you're just taking this idea that could be placed in John Wick and just filling it with a bunch of great actors that everyone loves that should be entertaining. Jeff Goldblum plays a villain called The Wolf. Come on, that's amazing. 
and he's like eccentric and all this great stuff and they just spend no time at they make it like soap opery and just so stupidly dramatic just really lean into the fun action aspect of it and they didn't do it so hotel Artemis, screw you number i eight. did not see it i will avoid it um again i feel ba- almost bad putting this next movie on here at number what is it six seven seven um i put the meg on here which uh, again Ooh. i kind of regret it like how I, dare you i turned you? my brain off and it was kind of fun but you know it was a it was a bad <laughs> movie um uh, not the best CG, you know, multiple just giant sharks jumping out of nowhere. I didn't know what the rules were, where they were coming from, what else exists down there. Lots of missed opportunities. It never committed to the gore, of course, because it got a PG-13 rating. Terrible script, terrible delivery. That Asian woman was oh, man. just reading so from bad. a post-it note, it sounded like. Um, the Meg was a bad movie, but it was a fun movie. What do you got? Uh, the Commuter is my number seven, the Liam Neeson uh the, the vehicle the train automated. version of taken yes. yes yes the train version of taken um yeah this movie just sucked <laughs> just flat out sucked wasn't vera for in it too yeah no? and i honestly couldn't tell you how she played into it or what even the story mm. was because it's just all so stupid hmm. <coughs> that's all i have to say about it it honestly just sucked i wish i could say more but it just sucked ass. I, I was almost gonna watch it too i'll skip it <laughs> All right, number six for me was The Spy Who Dumped Me. Did you ever end up watching this? No, I didn't, but I can't wait to watch it. It is a, a movie that you watch with a gal with some wine, and maybe you'll have some fun with it. But, you know, there are um, there are fart and queef jokes in this movie, like, consistently. Uh, it's kind of weird, and, uh, yeah, it's just not a good script. Not a, Some of the action set pieces are okay, and you get uh, our boy from The Leftovers. Why can't I think of his name right now? Justin, Justin Theroux. Theroux kind of makes an appearance, but it was it was a bad movie. Spy Who Dumped Me, number seven. Sad. Gonna watch it tonight. Um, <laughs> just kidding. Uh, number six for me was Hold the Dark. Wow. Okay. This is just this is more of the letdown yeah. version. Disappointment. Um, Green Room was one of my favorite movies of the past couple of years, and this. <laughs> hey. Oh, we got a we got a bad boy. Don't bark. I don't know what he's doing. Um, just trying to rip apart his butt right now. I don't know. He's probably got poop. Um, speaking of poop, hold the dark. Uh, just let's say it was like this weird, like they tried like tying it into like this weird like Norse mythology and like Alaskan mythology shit. And it just didn't work. I wanted more of that though. I, I And they never did anything really with it. And they would commit to it. It's just like a bunch of brooding and like dark tones and just, you know, gory violence. And it, it doesn't, doesn't add up to anything. It just kind of ends. Mm-hmm. And that's it. It just like felt like nothing. I agree. This one's an honorable mention for me, just for disappointment alone, because I was really looking forward to it. Yeah, uh, number five. Number five for me was Skyscraper. Uh, did this make your list at all? <clears throat> honorable mention. Yeah, honorable mention, man. Um, you can't just put Dwayne the Rock Johnson and everything and assume that it's going to be this blockbuster. And I guess I'm wrong because it still made decent money, didn't it? Yeah, I think it made a fair amount. Kid of money. actors were trash. Um, Dwayne the Rock Johnson did nothing here. Bad story. CG fest. One or two scenes that kind of gave me vertigo. That's all it really had going for it. Yeah. Unforgettable. Not even a fun movie to watch on FX. Did you say unforgettable? Yes. Forgettable. (laughs) (laughs) Unforgettable. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, no, it was a big letdown. Way too self-serious. Like, took itself way too seriously. That's very bad for uh, the rock movie. Hey, Austin. Daddy loves who? Daddy loves who? That'll nope. stick with me forever. <laughs> um, Vice is my number five. What? Disappointment time for Austin. Disappointment time for Austin. Um, you can hear all my thoughts on it last week. Listen to the last episode. Just 
that's that's all I can summarize your thoughts down. in one sentence <laughs> um totally all over the place felt like two different movies mashed together uh make a drama or make a comedy decide what you want to do adam mckay also don't talk down to the audience yeah also we're paying to see your film don't talk to us like we're idiots <laughs> Yes. I mean, do talk to us if we're idiots, like we're idiots, if you're trying to explain something very complex, but don't just talk to us <coughs> like we're idiots because we may or may not have voted for George Bush. Yes. Uh, anyway, number four for me was The Nun. It was a trash movie, and I never wanted to see anything in the series again, even The Conjuring. Get out of here. Yo, watch The Conjuring. Um, number four for me is Halloween. What? As we know, Halloween is one of my least favorite you're, movies. You're here, a dumb dumb. This is number four. Um, this movie was just Mm-mm. bad. Everyone over like blue how good it was, and it's just bad, and it just assumes that you're supposed to, you know, fall in love with this mythology of this stupid Michael Myers and the stupid Jamie Lee Curtis, and Jamie Lee Curtis is just so bad in this movie, and I, it's a reboot or whatever, and I know it's a sequel, but you can't just expect everyone to be like, oh yeah, I agree with her badass heel turn, when they just make her seem crazy as hell and have no, like, there's no reason that any of the characters in the movie should like her, outside of just, like, familial connection and the the sauntering of the, the the characters and the stupid uh, the stupid twists that they take so dumb so dumb and they lose the funniest fun characters like midway through if they would have just like stuck with being fun being goofy like not being straight goofy all the time but like stick with that instead of like bouncing around and it just oh, God. It just gets me going because it got like 90% of Rotten Tomatoes. It should have gotten 10%. I agree with your tonal complaints. <laughs> I do not agree with you not liking any of uh, Jamie Lee Curtis's turns or changes as a character as you have not seen any of the previous movies. It's like walking into the fifth movie in a franchise and saying, I don't understand this character, so I don't like her. It doesn't matter. It didn't work either way because I know what her deal is in the movies. It just still doesn't work. You're wrong, but that's okay. Whatever. What's your num- What's your number three? Uh, my number three is Life of the Party with Melissa McCarthy. My number two. Is it your number two? Yeah. Um, this movie was just so bad. Um, God, I don't even want to talk about it. So I don't bad. even want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about um, it. There's literally, it's a lifeless movie with no heart, no fun, nothing funny. No jokes, maybe. And like, I think I believe it was written by her husband <clears throat> and her. And she's basically mm-hmm. just making movies where she can play up her comedic, you know, Fat girl falls down, um, <coughs> makes a boo boo poopy fart, and it was just so bad, lifeless, like you said. Uh, just I, I don't want to talk about it. My number three is Cloverfield Paradox. Wow, um, exciting release and just a letdown after Ten Cloverfield Lane and Cloverfield itself, and it was just like a movie that was clearly dumped because it got confused and must have gone through some bad reshoots and was a better idea, I think, for a different movie, but then got shoehorned into the Cloverfield universe because they thought it would probably, you know, turn out well, and it just did not work. And it made... It possibly made the previous Cloverfield movies not as good. (laughs) Made them worse. By connection, Yeah, I I agree on the disappointment standpoint. If you would have just called this The Paradox, I think I would have liked it more. But the fact that they shoehorned in the Cloverfield connection and... Bunch of last-minute garbage edits. It made me like it a lot less. <coughs> yep. Uh, number two for you. So number two for me is The Happy Time Murders, which better be on your list somewhere. That is my number one. So that's fantastic. And the only reason my number one is there is, I'll tell you in a second, is not The Happy Time Murders. Like, when we recorded this episode, it might have been our worst episode of the podcast because we talked about it for, like, 15 minutes and we're just so pissed that we just did not want to talk about it at all. And that's kind of where I'm at right now. It's like you said earlier in your list, 
I can't believe we wasted several hours on this movie of our lives. Within the first 20 minutes, I was on my phone. (coughs) Um, After the first 15 minutes of hearing a Muppet say the F word or seeing a Muppet jizz or, you know, seeing Melissa McCarthy make a fall and a poopy, I just was out of my mind bored. And the literally the only thing going for it, making it not the worst movie of all time, was some of the the puppetry was very, very good. There was a fight scene where I'm like, wow, how'd they do that? That wasn't CG, and that was pretty good. But that was 1%, and 99% of the rest of the movie is absolute garbage. Just like in The Ring, every digital copy of this movie, every VHS copy, every film copy of this movie should be destroyed. Because I think if you watch it, you will die, you will die you will within die. seven days. Yeah. Uh, the uh, one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Do not watch the Happy Time Murders. My number two is Life of the Party, and my number one is Happy Time Murders. What is your number one to cap this off? So number one is a movie that meets both the disappointment and the just a horrible movie. It's a movie that actually turned off midway through, and I haven't done that in a long, Ooh. long, long time. Super Troopers 2. Oh, wow. Super Troopers is a classic comedy. Uh, quotable, lovable, memorable, has heart. Super Troopers 2 is like seeing your old high school or college buddies after like none of them have succeeded in life and you're doing kind of okay. They're like, oh, you still live in my hometown and you work at a bar and you have three wives, uh, three ex-wives. It's just, it, it kind of made sense that it would be good, but then you see it and you're just like, why did we ask for this? The jokes are all over the place. Terrible delivery. Everybody's old and fat. And it just was one of the worst movies I've ever, ever, ever seen. I've uh, never seen the first Super Troopers, and I've obviously never seen the second one, and I guess maybe I'll watch the first one sometime. Or I've seen clips of the first or scenes. Watch the first one, one and then watch the second one soon after, and you will see how, how bad the, the, the shift is here. Worst movie of the year, by far. All right, uh, run down our list again. My number 10, Pacific Rim, The Nun, Hotel Artemis, The Commuter, Hold the Dark, Vice, Halloween, Cloverfield Paradox, Life of the Party, and Happy Time Murders. I got two issues with your list. One, where are all those Christmas <laughs> movies? Those bad, bad Christmas movies you, you watched? Do those just they d- tonally don't They don't deserve sense? because they're not... Yeah, okay. they, they, don't, they don't... And then one sense. that I feel is just... Got the shaft to it. What about I Feel Pretty? <clears throat> See? I don't think it was that bad to deserve a spot on Really? Here. It was very confused in the message that I was trying to send, but I did. I ended up watching it again. I Granted, I fell asleep midway through watching it again. I just, it blows girls, my mind. Girls have to watch sure. these movies. But, like, I, I, I feel pretty better than Cloverfield Paradox, Hold the Dark, Vice, yes. Pacific, I, I can't yes. see, wow. Okay. Yes. So I definitely got the shaft when I was, when I chose to watch Life of the Party and you chose I Feel Pretty. Yeah, you did. Uh, my yes, list, 10, did. Fantastic Beasts and the Longest Title Ever, Ready Player One, Predator, The Mag, <laughs> The Spy Who Dumped Me, Skyscraper, The Nun, Life of the Party, Happy Time Murders, and Super Troopers 2. Oh, boy. All right. What a great year in movies. Um, that's it for our worst 10 of 2018. Let's talk about our favorite trailer that came out um, in 2018. Yeah, we got two I more think... categories, right? Best trailer yeah. and kind of a yeah. random MVP award. Yes. Uh, I think we know what this is going to be for both of us. You want to you wanna say it together? Three, two, one. Godzilla. Godzilla the king, king of, of the monsters. The... Is it the yes. king of Not the monsters? Not the king, king of, of the monsters. King of the monsters. Got it. I'll get it right someday. Um. Yeah, this trailer was just mind-bogglingly good. I think I've we've we've gone over our experiences watching this trailer like four times in the podcast, so we won't do it again. But boy, first time that I saw this trailer, it literally almost brought me to tears. It was so beautiful. Just the awe-inspiring background music mixed with the terrible 
beautiful destruction on screen was something unlike any other trailer I've ever seen, and I cannot wait for this film. Yeah, I'm I'm so hyped. As someone that like isn't the biggest fan of Godzilla and that kind of and kaiju kind of stuff, this movie got me all in. Like I can't wait to watch this. Trailer movie. two, not as good. Um, I think they had to release kind of more yeah. an actiony show, more of the monsters trailer, but just the sense <laughs> of wonder from trailer number one, seeing these massive beasts. Just making Godzilla look small was just unbelievable. Great trailer. Um, and then our final topic here, uh, your MVP of 2018 in the entertainment world. Who was your MVP? I'm going to go with, um, and tell me if I'm pronouncing this wrong, but Kevin Feige? Oh, yes. This dude spent the last 10 years, 15 years, compiling this shared cinematic universe. And I don't want to say he finally got to see the culmination of all of it because we still have another one to go. And then we have years after, you know, we've got X-Men coming in pretty soon here at some point. But the Mm -hmm. amount of care that he put into developing his characters, not rushing it, taking his time, doing the Avengers on on more of a small scale and then bringing them all together for Infinity War is very admirable. takes a lot of talent, executive prowess, business decisions, (laughs) casting. What, what What a year for Kevin Feige. And, you know, doesn't look like he's slowing down anytime soon. Yeah, no, that's a that's a good pick. Um, my pick is Bradley Cooper, just because I knew it. He's he's the first person I believe at the BAFTAs or maybe the Critics' Choice or something like that um, <coughs> to ever be nominated as a producer, composer, actor, director, and writer. He's probably gonna get a Best Directing nom. Probably gonna get a Best Actor nom. Gonna get a, gonna win Best Song. Will probably be nominated for the score. That's very impressive. Uh, it might win Best Picture. There's another award for him um to come out with your first directorial debut and just like completely knock it out of the park and have this monumental meme creating popular hey. thing just want to take another <laughs> look at you venom's face one of my favorite things <laughs> <Venom. to hear. laughs> um he's he's you know he killed it and i can't wait to see like what he does next directing wise um my uh i'd like to give a shout out to netflix as oh, well oh. um the, the dumping ground of movies makes your list. <clears throat> because even though they had one of my least favorite movies of the year in Cloverfield Paradox, they are likely to potentially pick up a Best Picture nomination and maybe win it with Roma. Uh-huh. So they're finally breaking through and being like taken seriously by the Academy. And also they rejuvenated the rom-com genre. And I am forever grateful for that because that is one of the best. And they gave you a bunch of crappy Christmas music- movies to watch. That's a fact. They gave me a lot of entertainment. Um, so that's it. Thank you for listening. That's it for the best and worst of 2018 episode. We will be back next week with a review of Glass, the sequel to Split and Unbreakable, um, as well as True Detective Season or season, season 3, Episode 3 talk. And we'll uh, we'll get you to that. Thank you for listening. Remember to subscribe and review. And check out Glitcher.com for all our new posts. We have a bunch of new stuff up and we'll continue getting more stuff up as the t- year goes on. Thank you for listening and we will see you next week. Peace.